0: back to Season 7 of Be Formed. This is Week 2. We're going to continue in St. John Paul II's uh, encyclical, Ecclesia de Eucharistia. The Eucharist builds the Church, Chapter 2. So let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, we thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, and the beautiful gift of the Eucharist. Help us in our belief, and help us in our reverence, to reverence your Son, especially in the most holy Eucharist. We ask all this through Christ our Lord, amen, in the, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. A quick review from last week, so we know where we have been and where we're going. So there were five points. The first one is, it was all about the mystery of faith. Uh, there's three things, three acclamations that you can respond when the priest says, the mystery of faith. The first one is, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. And so this encapsulates the passion, death, resurrection, and the expectation of the Lord's second coming. And to know that Jesus instituted the Eucharist on that first Holy Thursday, as part of his, the beginning of his passion, and so the Eucharist is intimately involved in this mystery of faith, the paschal mystery. The second thing is it's a Eucharistic sacrifice where Jesus offers himself to the Father as a sacrifice, and we are to offer ourselves with Jesus uh, in the Eucharistic sacrifice of the Mass. Number three is Christ's universal charity that Jesus said, This is my body given up for you, this is my blood poured out for you. And this sacrifice uh, is meant to be extended to all times and all places, Um, and it shows the depth of the Lord's love for us. The fourth thing is the real presence. It doesn't mean that every other place where the Lord is isn't real, it just means that the fullness of, of the Lord is present in the Holy Eucharist. And then finally, it's a Eucharistic banquet. This is so powerful that when we celebrate Mass together, we are participating in the heavenly liturgy. The book of Revelation talks about the angels and saints are gathered around the throne of the Lamb singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. So when we are singing, Holy, Holy, Holy at Mass, we are participating with the angels and saints and all those who have gone before us in faith. And so it's both a banquet and a sacrifice to remember those two things. So with that in mind, let's move on to chapter 2. And this is about the Eucharist builds the church. You can find this document online, uh, Ecclesia de Eucharistia, from 2003 by St. John Paul II. And so he, he begins by saying, after we look at the Eucharist as the mystery of faith, Now he looks at the Eucharist as the the source of the strength and growth in the church. So how does the church grow? He says basically every time Mass is celebrated in a church anywhere in the world, the church is, is strengthened and grows. And I often think about this. Imagine the world without the Eucharist. Imagine the world without priests. We know how difficult things are right now. Imagine without the presence of the Lord in this beautiful sacramental way throughout the world. We need Jesus in the Eucharist. We need the priest to continue to offer this sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. And so, Vatican II inspired St. John Paul II uh, in this way. It says, The redemptive work of the Lord continues in the church principally through the sacrifice of the Mass. And the faithful are unified uh, in the body of Christ, um, in the Holy Eucharist. And he says we can't overemphasize the importance of the Eucharist in the life of the Church from the very beginning of time. So we know that Mass has been celebrated from that first Mass on Holy Thursday uh, throughout the centuries. Every day, uh, you know, and millions of times around the world every day so three main points today the eucharist at the beginning of the church the eucharist brings unity and worship of the eucharist outside of mass so let's begin at the beginning of the church so jesus gathered his first apostles the 12 apostles around the table at that last supper and it was at this Last Supper that he instituted uh, the Eucharist so that the faithful might always share in the spiritual fruits of the sacrifice on Calvary. So think about this. Remember the 12 tribes of Israel. These were the 12 sons of, of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And they scattered. They scattered throughout the world. And the, the goal of the devil... And devil in Greek is diaboline, meaning to scatter. His goal is to divide and conquer. He wants to scatter us and keep us from unifying. And Jesus, in his beautiful priestly prayer in the Gospel of John, says how he prays that we all might be one. Jesus says, just as you and I, Father, are one, I pray that they might be one in us. And so Jesus came to unify, to recapitulate, to bring back together the 12 tribes of Israel, meaning people of all languages uh, and places. And so wherever you see division and scattering, the enemy is involved. Wherever you see unity and uh, bringing together, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are involved. And so by him gathering 12 disciples, what he's trying to do is to gather the nations back together, especially around the Eucharist. Um, So the, the 12 apostles lay the foundation of this new people of God, he says, the the new church that's being uh, brought about. And so, once again, every time Mass is celebrated around the world, the church is being built up and strengthened. And none of us wants to imagine, you know, during the the pandemic, when churches were closed, I thought, wow, the, the enemy is really at work here trying to keep us from the Eucharist, right? He knows how much the Eucharist strengthens and builds up the church. And so, um, remember this, every every time we go to Mass, not only is it a, a personal encounter with the Lord, but it's a building up of the body of Christ throughout the world. So through the Eucharist, Jesus made it possible for us to be one body in him, to be one with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he instructed his apostles to renew this supper, to do this in memory of me in all ages and all times. So in Holy Communion, think about this. I found this to be interesting, what the Pope said. In Holy Communion, we not only receive Jesus, but he receives us. And John Paul II talked about Jesus has a desire to be one with you. So often through our own sinfulness and our own brokenness, we think, who am I? God God can't love me. But he desires to be one with you. In our baptism, we become beloved sons and daughters of the Father. And then through uh, the Eucharist, on a daily basis, if we so choose, the Lord wants to be one with us. So communion with Christ in the Holy Eucharist has been a sign of salvation for all the nations. And we talked about this a little bit, and and next week we're going to talk about the apostolicity of the Eucharist, meaning the church receives its mission to be apostolic, to go out, to be sent in the Eucharist. Uh, And we hear in John chapter 20, verse 21, as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. So the Lord is building up his church, not just to be this nice, cozy atmosphere, but to be sent out on mission to share the good news. The second point, confirming the church in unity. We've touched on this a little bit. So in baptism, uh, the members of the church are unified as children of God. So if I'm a son of God and you're a daughter or son of God, what does that make us in God? (laughs) It makes us brothers and sisters. We truly become part of the family of God. Remember in the scriptures, you know, they came to Jesus and said, your mother and your brother and sisters are, are outside. And he says, who are my mother and my brother and my sisters? He says, he who does the will of God is my mother, my brother, or my sister. And so through baptism, we're incorporated into the body of Christ. And then he wants to continue to unify us through, we're going to see the sacraments of reconciliation and the Eucharist. Jesus is the head of the body, the church, and we are the body. And where the head goes, the body follows. And every time we receive Jesus in Holy Communion, that unity is strengthened with him. The more we separate us ourselves from the body of Christ, the more we don't go to Mass in, into the Eucharistic sacrifice, the more we are separated from Jesus as the head of the, of the church and the body. The Eucharist sustains this unity. We talked about last week the real presence, and I remember I made my crucio weekend in 1993. I was 26 years old, and they talked about a lot of these men. They were normal, everyday men who talked about going to daily mass. And I thought, I've never gone to daily mass. I, I'm, I'm, I feel proud that I can go on Sunday. You know. But seeing the holiness of these men, it challenged me to say, I want to I wanna try this. I'm going to try to go to daily Mass after my crucio." And so I went on Monday. But this is nice. It's, it's quiet, intimate, um, hearing the Word of God, receiving Jesus in the Eucharist every day. And I went Tuesday, Wednesday. And toward the end of the week, I had a woman. She saw me after Mass, and she said, Burke, be careful. I said, what do you mean? And she said, that's how my son got started. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, my son is Father Max. And uh, so she said her son had gone on Crucio, started to go to daily mass. And the more he was filled with the Eucharist and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the more he heard God's call and the more he wanted to share in this mission as the Lord's priest. And of course, that's what, what happened to me. So I really want to encourage you, if, one, if, if you're not going to Sunday Mass, to go for sure on Sunday. That's that's part of the commandments, and it's, it's part of how we show God how important He is to us. But I really want to encourage and challenge you to go to daily Mass if you can. If you, if you don't go, maybe try one daily Mass a week. And I guarantee you, you won't regret it. And in fact, the Lord will... <laughs> He'll fill you with graces that maybe you never thought were possible. And if we truly believe that this is Jesus, think about that. If, if somebody put a, a flyer uh, out and said, hey, Jesus is going to be at St. Isaac Joke's church at 7 o'clock in the morning tomorrow, how many people do you think would come? The place would be packed. Well, the fact is he is there, and he's in every Catholic church around the world uh, in the Eucharist. And so that's why we are going in this, and that's why the bishops are calling for this Eucharistic revival, because if we believe it's Jesus, and it is, and we really come to understand and our belief grows, you know, our churches will be filled. And it's not just about our churches being filled, but then we're going to get our mission through the Eucharist to go out and share the good news with others. It all begins and ends. The source and summit is the Eucharist. And so by virtue of our unity uh, with Christ and baptism, we are also one with each other through the Eucharist and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So think about the Holy Spirit's action in this unity. So the Holy Spirit is the one who, uh, through, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Mary conceived Jesus in her womb. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, remember this word, the epiclesis, When the priest calls down the Holy Spirit upon the bread and wine, and through the power of transubstantiation, they become uh, the body and blood of Christ. And somebody asked me a good question. When exactly does it become the body and blood of Christ? So it's the combination of the epiclesis, the calling of the Holy Spirit, and then saying the words of Jesus, this is my body given up for you, this is my blood poured out for you. The words of institution, they're called. That combination is when... The elements become the body and blood of Christ. And so the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary is the same Holy Spirit that transforms the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. It's the same Holy Spirit we receive in baptism. And so the Holy Spirit is being strengthened within us every time we go uh, to communion and also In the sacrament of reconciliation which I will I will get to in a minute the Pope then goes on to talk about in the second point of unity we all have a tendency toward division he called them the seeds of disunity um, due to original sin and our actual sin so we have what's called in in theology concupiscence we have a a tendency towards sin we've all experienced it there's a piece of us that in, in all of us that we don't want or don't like that moves us towards sin, as he calls them, the seeds of disunity. The Eucharist, he says, gives us the divine grace to work against these seeds of disunity. So if you're struggling with something, you know, obviously, if you have a, a, a mortal sin, so mortal sin is you know it's wrong, you do it anyway, and it's serious or grave matter, we should go to confession before we go to communion, right? Because communion is the greatest sign that we have in the church to say, I am in union with the Lord and I'm in union with this community. And so that's why Jesus says, uh, or St. Paul says in scripture, you know, if you have a problem with your brother, leave your gift at the altar, go reconcile and then come back. And then that communion takes on a deeper meaning. And so the combination of reconciliation, when we take our, our sins and ask for forgiveness with a contrite heart, and Jesus, through the ordained priest, says, I absolve you from your sins, that brings you back into unity, union with God, and then communion takes on this, this beautiful, deeper meaning of unity with God and with the community. So we have this strong connection between the Eucharist and the sacrament of reconciliation or penance. So sin introduces division. Remember, the devil's goal is for us to sin, to, to divide us. Confession brings unity and uh, with God and with one another, as does the Eucharist. And it says at the same time, the Eucharist enlightens our minds and inflames our hearts to see what is within us that causes disunity and he calls us back uh, to union with himself. So the more that we imbibe ourselves with the gifts that Jesus has given us through the church, confession and and, and Eucharist, the more we start to become aware of where we need his graces. The third point is worship of the Eucharist outside of Mass. So St. John Paul II emphasizes the importance of worship of the Blessed Sacrament outside of Mass. So he says, the real presence of Christ after transubstantiation happens remains as long as the species remain. Meaning as long as we, we see bread and see wine, those elements that have been consecrated, they are the body and blood of Christ and remain so. So that's why any precious blood that remains after communion is consumed and any of the, uh, the consecrated hosts, the body of Christ that remain we put in the tabernacle. It's that gold um, tabernacle. Some say the golden box. That's where we put Jesus, and it's usually gold because it's, it's this sacred place where Jesus is present. And I I remember when I was wasn't Catholic, and I would go into a Catholic church. I remember sensing something different about it, like what's going on here? There's a, there's a presence here. And I, I couldn't have said presence then. I didn't understand it, but it felt different. And then when I started to learn about the Eucharist, and the Eucharist is reserved in the tabernacle, and, and that's Jesus. And that's why when we go into a Catholic church, we find the tabernacle and we genuflect because we're genuflecting to God. Jesus is present here among us sacramentally. And so the Pope is then talks about the importance of, of adoration. So, adoration is we put the consecrated host in what's called a monstrance. And a monstrance in Latin just comes from the word meaning to show. So, we're, we're sitting before Jesus in silence. And some I know some people have said that adoration takes away from the Mass, but that has not been my experience. My experience is those who go to adoration... Most of them go to daily Mass, and those that go to daily Mass go to adoration. So one feeds off the other. And he says the consecrated host comes directly from the sacrifice of the Mass. So it's a continuation of the worship of of our Lord and God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I remember when I first went to adoration, uh, I was, you know, it would have been, Shortly after my crucio, I'd never heard of adoration before. And so my girlfriend at the time said, let's just go and we're going to spend quiet time in prayer. Well, I didn't know how to pray. I was afraid of silence uh, because I thought in the silence, I'm going to encounter God and myself. I was, and I was afraid of what God was going to tell me. And I was afraid of what I was going to see inside because I was, really wasn't living the life that I should have, should have been living. And so when I went to adoration, I just read a book because I, I didn't know how to pray. And it was my girlfriend who started teaching me how to, how to put the book down, just have a conversation with the Lord, to tell him what's going on in my heart, what's going on throughout my day, and then to sit there and listen. And I went from being afraid of the silence to craving the silence. It became the most peace-filled hour of my week. And eventually then I started to hear God, not audibly, but in my heart, I felt like God was saying, I want you to be a priest. And I didn't want to be a priest. Um, I, uh, I, I wanted to be a professional baseball player or be general manager of the Chicago Cubs. And uh, eventually, I said, God, if you want me to be a priest, you have to make it clear. And so he started sending people to me, friends, family, complete strangers, who would say, I think you'd make a great priest. And so it was through adoration that I heard this calling now I've been a priest 21 years, wouldn't trade it for anything. Another uh, story is I just met a man recently here at the parish, and uh, he wasn't Catholic, and he, one of our parishioners uh, is a good friend of his, and he was looking for a place to pray. And our, our Catholic parishioner told him, he says, we have this chapel on campus. He didn't tell him it was a Eucharistic Adoration Chapel because he probably wouldn't understand that. But he said, we have this quiet place to pray, and I just encourage you to go pray there. And so this man said he did, and he said it was so quiet and peaceful. And then he started asking questions like, Why, what's that gold thing up there? What's the, what's the bread? And so my friend started teaching him about the Eucharist. And well, now, long story short, this guy is now an on-fire Catholic because the Eucharistic adoration drew him into this relationship with the Lord. I think of St. John Vianney, who would see this this poor man go into his church each day, just for a little bit. He would kneel, say some prayers, and then leave. And one day, St. John Vianney asked him, said, I see you going into church every day. What are you doing there? How are you praying? And he said, simply, I look at him, and he looks at me. And that's what adoration can be, this just seeing God for who he is and worshiping him in adoration. And so I just want to encourage you, if you've never been to adoration, uh, to try it. And if you have, you know, to, to make a commitment. You know, uh, I know we have some hours here at St. Isaac Jogues that aren't filled, and my goal would be that we'd have two or three people there, you know, every hour worshiping and, 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 and praising God in, in adoration. St. John Paul II said in adoration, I experience strength, consolation, and support of the Lord. And finally, Alphonsus Ligori said this of all devotions, that of adoring Jesus in the blessed sacrament is the greatest after the sacraments, the one dearest to God, and the one most helpful to us. So after, you know, receiving Jesus in Holy Communion, confession, all the other sacraments, he says that the next best thing. It's going to adoration. I would agree with that. So, concluding these three points, you know, so the, the Holy Eucharist uh, was there from the beginning of the church, and it's it, it was the, the beginning of the building up of the church, and it's the continuation of the building of the church every time Mass is celebrated throughout the world. It brings unity uh, with God and with one another in the community as as the body of Christ, and then finally, the encouragement to worship uh, Jesus in the Eucharist outside of adoration, and so let us pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we thank you and praise you uh, for the gift of your Son, Jesus, especially in the Eucharist. As I teach about this, uh, my heart just is inflamed with thanksgiving and gratitude or your love for us. Help me and help all of us to drop to our knees to when we understand the depth of your love for us and your very presence among us in the Eucharist. The Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A few uh, quick announcements here. We uh, do, If you can do the Lectio Divina, uh, either personally or as a small group we're going to be looking at john 17 verses 18 to 23 and this is where jesus says as you sent me into the world so i send them into the world the sense of jesus sending us on mission and a big part of that comes through the eucharist um next month our our large group uh gathering is going to be a little change of pace friday october 6th uh, because this you know, it's a diocesan event, and we have many people even beyond the diocese participating. We're going to support the men who are uh, in process of being ordained deacons in a couple years. There's a, a ministry of lector that they're going to be receiving October 6th at 7 p.m. at St. Michael's Church in Wheaton with Bishop Hicks celebrating the Mass. We're going to go as a community to support these men. It'll also be live stream for those who are out of town, out of state. And I think it'll just be a great community event to see that we are part of this this beautiful um, Catholic Church. Next week, we're going to look at Chapter 3, the apostolicity of the Eucharist and the Church. We're going to have Bishop Conley from Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, he'll be teaching uh, next week. And again, don't overwhelm yourself with beform. Do what you can and uh, take one step closer to Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And To all of you, buen camino.